KMTT, Kimitzion Tetzei Torah. KMTT, the Torah podcast. Today is Tuesday, Shur in Parshat HaShavua. Shur Parshat HaShavua will be given this week as usual by Harav Chanoch Waxman. This week, Parshat Tzav, I would like to continue to discuss uh, the topic of last week, uh, the topic of Karbanot. Um, but before beginning this year today, I would like to issue a little bit of a correction regarding something that was mentioned in last week's shiur. Uh, last week's shiur, I referred to the last Mishnah in Menachot as the last Mishnah in, in Seder Kodeshim. Uh, this, of course, is in fact an error. Menachot is not the last uh, Mesechet in Seder Kodeshim. And what I intended to say was that the last Mishnah in Menachot is in fact uh, the last Mishnah uh, of the Zvachim Menachot unit, that which deals with Hilchot HaMizbech or Hilchot Kodeshim per se. Um, and I think it worthwhile to correct this that of course Menachot is not indeed the last Mesechat in Seder Kodeshim. Uh, this said, uh, let us turn to uh, this week's Shi'ur. And uh, Parshat Tzav. As mentioned a moment ago, I would like again to take up the topic of Karbanot. Um, but in order to do so, I would like to begin from a, a slightly different place, from an intriguing problem that originates in the latter half of the Parsha, um, the, or the latter seg- segment of the Parsha, that which at first glance does not seem to be connected to Hilchot Karbanot, uh, per se, which is of course the topic of the majority of Parshat Tav. So picking it up in Perichet, Pasat Aleph, the Torah says as follows. Um, God spoke to Moshe, take Aaron and his sons with him, and the clothing, and the anointing oil. So in addition to these three elements that Moshe is supposed to take with him, uh, Aaron and his sons, the clothing, and the anointing oil, what else should Moshe take? The Pasuk goes on, a uh, cow, a par, as a chatat offering, and an additional offering of, of two elim, and the basket of matzot. Uh, oh, and there's one more thing Moshe is supposed to take, and take all of the community and gather them at the door of the Oamo'ed. Now, of course, what is this all about? Well, we learn regarding this matter just a few verses later. In Pasuk Hay, um, the Torah tells us as follows. After Moshe had gathered all of the Edah to the Petach Omo'ed, and of course all of these objects, Aaron and his sons, and the Karbanot, and the basket of Matzot, etc. Moshe says to the people, this is the matter that God commanded to do. And then begins the long procedure, the accomplishment of the long procedure, which we know as the Yemeha Milu'im, the days of inauguration, the days of dedication, and all of these objects, Aaron and his sons, and the clothing, and the Shemad HaMishcha, and the Karbanot, and the basket of Matzot, are necessary for the accomplishment of the Yemeha Milu'im, and this is more or less uh, the topic of Perichet here at the end of Parshat Tzav. And things move along and eventually culminate later on, not in this week's Parsha, um, but in um, next week's Parsha, in Parshat Shemini, in Perichet, we uh, reached, so to speak, the crescendo of the entire set of events known as the Meha Miluim, 
Um, Parak Tet Pasukav Gimel tells us as follows: Ve'evo Moshe va'Aron el Omoed, and Moshe and Aaron came into the Omoed ve'Hitzu, and they came out ve'Rachu et Ha'am, and they blessed the people ve'Yera Kavod Hashem el Kol Ha'am. Then the glory of God appeared to all the people, and then in Pasuk Kavdalit, Parak Tet Pasuk Kavdalit, ve'Tete Eish Melfnei Hashem ve'Tochal Mizbeach Ha'Olav ve'Tochalavim. And a fire went out from in front of God and consumed upon the Mizbeach, the burnt offering and the fats. And all the people saw and they fell. So we have here in Perket Tet of uh, Sefer Vayikra the accomplishment, uh, the carrying out of the Mehem Elohim and the eventual culmination um, in the fire of God consuming the Korbanot upon the Mizbeach in Perak Tet. Uh, now, of course, all of this is a kind of culmination uh, of an expectation set up previously, of an expectation set up back in Sefer Shmot. And I would like to turn away from the moment from uh, the accomplishment of the Mehei Miluim uh, told in uh, chapters 8 and 9 of Sefer Vayik, respectively, back to the parak of the Torah that describes to us the command uh, for the Mehemulim for the days of dedication and inauguration. And of course, I'm referring to chapter 28 of Sefer Shmot, Parakachachachet uh, of Sefer Shmot, which is found in Parshat Titzavet. And just very briefly, taking Parmi Parakachachet, uh, chapter 29 of Sefer Shmot, which is found in Parshat Titzavet. And very briefly, just taking a look at the beginning of the Parak, Parakachachet, Pasuk Aleph, reads as follows. And these are the things that you should uh, do to them to sanctify me to serve as priests. So it's one par. And two elim. This, of course, is very similar to the list we already read later on in the beginning of Perikhet of Vayikra. And matzot, v'chalot matzot, lot b'shemen, rikikei matzot, a whole bunch of matzot, as again mentioned later on, and they are put into a basket, as again mentioned later on, and then in Perak Kavtet Pasuk Dalet, v'et Aron v'et Benav Takir v'opetach o'amoed, and Aron and his sons in the petach o'amoed, more or less all of the details that we already discussed found later on in the accomplishment section in um, Perak Tet, Perak Chet of Vayikra. Now why is this important? Because in the Tzivui section, uh, in the command section found in chapter 29 in Perak Kavtet of Shmot, things build uh, to a certain crescendo uh, towards the end of the command of the Yemeha Miluim. And here I would like to turn again to Psukim that we have, uh, I think, a few times discussed in the past. Towards the end of that Perak of Perak Kavtet in Sefer Shmot, we're told in Parakavtet, Pasuk Mem Gimel, upon the accomplishment of Yemei HaMiluim, what will happen? V'no'adati shama levnei Yisrael v'ikdash v'kvodi. God says, I will appear or meet with the Bnei Yisrael and be sanctified in my glory. V'kidash t'yet o'moed, I will sanctify the o'moed. And then in Pasuk Mem Hei, v'shachanti b'doch Bnei Yisrael v'ayiti lahem le'elokim, and I will dwell amongst Bnei Yisrael, and I will be for them a, uh, a God. Now, of course, the language here of Vishachanti Petoch B'nei Yisrael, I will dwell amongst the B'nei Yisrael, found at the end of the command of the Mehem Elohim, harks back to the entire general purpose of the Mishkan, outlined back first in Shmot Per Kafei Pasuk Chet 
Um, you shall make me a sanctuary and I will dwell amongst them. The idea of the Mishkan is for God to dwell amongst B'nai Israel. Or alternatively, the language here found in Perak Haftet, Pasuk Mem Gimel, Vino Aditi Shamal, B'nai Israel, I will appear or meet with B'nai Israel. This harks back to the purpose, to the language outlined again in Perak Kafhe uh, in, in Parshat Shuma. Uh, God says to Moshe, I will appear to you or meet with you there from amidst, from between the two Kruvim. The whole purpose and general idea of the Mishkan is the Mishkan, the dwelling of God, or Vino'adati, the meeting of God. And what's outlined here in Parakhaftat is that this is all accomplished and completed upon the completion of uh, the Milu'im. Okay, now, so what is the point here? The idea is that on some level, the Yemeha Miluim, the inauguration of the Kohanim, and the setting of things into action is the completion of the story of the Mishkan. Um, it, to put it this way, um, what I think we should realize is that we face the following problem. The story of the latter part of Sefer Shmot, uh, the story of the command and the setting up of the Mishkan, that which ends with the Miluim and the eventual presence of God in the Mishkan on a permanent basis, this seems to end somewhere in the middle of Sefer Vayikra. And this is rather strange. Uh, to say it again, the story of Sefer Shmot, um, the command and setting up of the Mishkan, uh, which ends with the Miluim, or should end with the Miluim, seems to end somewhere uh, in Sefer Vayikra. And this seems a bit bizarre. Or alternatively, um, we might think about the kind of reverse formulation. On some level, um, the story of Sefer Vayikra, uh, whatever it may be, seems to begin before the completion of Sefer Shmot and its story of the Mishkan. Or to put this a little bit differently, the first seven prakim of Sefer Vayikra, the corpus of the laws of Karbanot that Sefer Vayikra begins with, seems to interrupt uh, the story of the Mishkan. The Miluim and the story of the Mishkan and the story of Shemot are not really completed until Parakatet of Sefer Vayikra and Parak Aleph through Zion, the first seven prakim of the Sefer that detail the laws of Karbanot, seem to somehow kind of jump in and almost interrupt the story of the Mishkan uh, and the story of Sefer Shemot, and all this requires some sort of explanation, and this is uh, the structural problem that I would like to uh, discuss today. Uh, why is it that Parshat Karbanot is placed where it is placed, so to speak, in the middle of the story of the Mishkan before the completion uh, of the command of the Miluim? Okay. Uh, now, um, I'm actually aware of five different theories um, uh, as to how to explain the placement of, of Parshat Kabanot. And uh, primarily in this year, I would like to share with you a particular one um, which would take us back to the nature of Kabanot, a little, some of the issues discussed last week. Um, but before doing so, I'd like to focus on a particular comment of Ramban, um, one, of, one, of, one which can serve as the basis of one of the aforementioned theories for the placement of uh, Karbanot. In his Hakdama uh, to Sefer Vayikra, um, Ramban seems to uh, approach this issue of the placement of Parshat Karbanot, or perhaps more accurately, the, the Kavatef, as we would say in Hebrew, the seam line, um, the uh, seam between 
Sefer Shemot on the one hand, and Sefer Vikra on the other hand, which of course is really our topic today. So Ramban, at the beginning of his Hakdamah, his introduction to Sefer Vikra, says as follows. Sefer Azeh, Hu Torat Kohanim Vileviim. This book, the book of Ayikra, um, should be thought of as Torah Kohanim Vileviim. The Torah, uh, the laws, uh, let's translate it as laws for the moment, of Kohanim and Leviim. And what is explained within it, Ramban goes on to point out, it is explained within it the laws of Karbanot and the laws of guarding the Mishkan. Um, and just as there is one book in the matter of uh, exile and redemption from it, i.e. the book of Shemot, and this book of Galut and Gula, Sefer Shemot, was finished off with the tent of meeting and the glory of God that filled the Mishkan, Hashem to Mishkan, is the Hebrew phrase Ramban uses here. And then, then it was commanded uh, in Karbanot and the guarding of the Mishkan, that the Karbanot should serve as an atonement for them, um, and their sins should not cause the removal of the presence, of the divine presence of the Shekhinah, etc., etc., etc. Now, what is clear um, from this short citation of Ramban is that Ramban is concerned here with the seam between Sefer Shemot and Sefer Vayikra, and certainly has something to say about this. Um, it's also clear that Ramban makes the point that Karbanot are in some sense about Kapara. Uh, again, Shiyuha Karbanot Kapara Lahan, that their uh, sacrifices serve as an f- atonement for them. But it's not at all really clear um, how uh, Ramban uh, relates to our problem of the placement uh, of the uh, Parshat Karbanot before the end of Sefer Shemot. So to unpack this, I would like to turn back to... Um, uh, the verse uh, that Ramban bu- or the verses that Ramban builds upon here, and also to note uh, a, a famous aspect of some of Ramban's thought, which he draws upon here. Um, Ramban had cited for us uh, some of, some of the verses near the end of uh, of Sefer Shmot. Uh, pr- to be precise, Shmot Perak Mem Pasuk Lamed Dalad and Lamed Hey. Uh, Ramban said the, those Sukim say as follows: Shmot Perak Mem Pasuk Lamed Anan et Olmo Eid. And the uh, cloud covered the Omoed, Ukvod Hashem Malet Hamishkan, and the glory of God um, filled the Mishkan. Velo Yachol Moshe Lavol Omoed, and Moshe could not enter the Omoed, Kishachan Alav Anan Ukvod Hashem Malet Hamishkan. At the very end of Sefer Shemot, the Torah informs us, and this we've discussed in the past, that upon the first time that the Mishkan was set up, um, the glory of God, the divine presence, filled the Mishkan, it filled it completely, until the point where Moshe could not even enter. Um, Now, what is this all about? Well, Ramban makes the claim that this moment is the culmination of Sefer Gu'ula, the name that Chazal gave uh, to Sefer Shemot, to the Book of Shemot. In what sense is this moment the culmination of Sefer Gu'ula? Well, Gu'ula, redemption, is not just a physical process of redemption uh, from Egypt, but is, of course, also a, a spiritual process upon, uh, in which God arrives at Har Sinai, rests his presence upon Har Sinai, and delivers Torah to B'nai Yisrael. Now, as Ramban points out in numerous places, um, this spiritual gula, this spiritual redemption, redemption, can only be complete when that process of Sinai is enshrined on a permanent basis. 
only when a Mishkan, which parallels Sinai, or constitutes a microcosm of Sinai, with the Divine Presence resting within it, has been set up, and the Divine Presence rests amongst Am Yisrael, only then can they truly be considered redeemed. And this moment, Perak Mem, Pasuk Lamed is the moment when the Sefer, so to speak, finishes, when um, the spiritual gu'ula, the, the final uh, purpose and tachlit of Sefer Shmot, uh, has, has been achieved. Okay. Ramban points out that there is a danger. And what is the danger? The danger is, is that um, chet, sin, can lead to the um, removal uh, or the uh, loss of that divine presence. It can lead to siluk shechina, Sin, so to speak, chases God away, um, or chases the Divine Presence away, or builds barriers between one and the Divine Presence. Well, there is a trufa to the makkah. There is a um, there is a medicine that is available uh, to prevent this disease of sin. And what is that? That is karbanot. Karbanot, which achieve kapara, are meant as a mechanism, as a device to ensure the constant presence of the divine presence in the Mishkan. Chait will not chase away or cause the removal of the divine presence if Karbanot exists, if there's a means for keeping the divine presence in the Mishkan. So Rabban points out that here at the very, very beginning of uh, Sefer Vayikra, even before the story of the setting up of the Mishkan is fully complete later on with the accomplishment of the Milu'im in Perakhet and Tet, at the very, very first moment um, that the Divine Presence arrives in the Mishkan, the Torah teaches us, Torah Karbanot teaches us these seven Prakim of the laws of Karbanot, because the Karbanot are the means to achieve Kapara, the Karbanot are the means to guarantee that constant state of Gula, of redemption, of God's presence being in the Mishkan amongst B'nai Yisrael. And in this fashion, Ramban explains for us why these seven prakim, why Sefer Vayikra begins with Torah Karbanot, even before um, the Mishkan has been fully completed, because it connects with the very idea of divine presence in the Mishkan mentioned at the end of Sefer Shemot, the end of Sefer Gula, and therefore Vayikra begins at this point with Torah Karbanot. And this is the theory presented in Ramban's Hakdama um, to Sefer Vayikra. Okay. Um, now, I think this is very interesting. And it does touch upon the nature of uh, Kovanot as Kapara. Um, but I would like to pursue a, a bit of a variation uh, on Ramban, uh, one which emphasizes um, perhaps a slightly different aspect of Kovanot um, and takes us back to some of the issues that we discussed uh, last week. Uh, to begin, I would like to begin with a a well-known problem, uh, also connected to this week's parsha. Well-known problem connected, uh, or which emerges from the beginning of parsha tzav. I'd like to take a look at the psukim there. Veikra perek vav pasuk alv. The beginning of parsha tzav uh, starts out as follows: Hashem el Moshe God spoke to Moshe. Tzav et Aaron. Ve'et banav lemor, command Aaron and his son, saying, Zot Torah ta'ola, this is the Torah of the Ola, of the burnt offering. Hiya Ola al Mokuda al Hamizbeah kola this is the Ola upon the fire, on the Mizbeah, all night, Araboker until the morning, Vesha Mizbeah tukad bo. And then after it burns all night, Pasugimel, Velavasha koin midobad, the coin dresses in a particular linen garment, the Mithnasebad, etc., etc., etc. And more or less, the Torah here goes on to elaborate the Torah Ta'ula, 
the laws of the Ola. Um, now, as we well know, and as we are well aware, Parshat uh, Tav, more or less, all of it is about Karbanot. And it goes through the, the various Karbanot. There's the Ola, there's the Mincha, there's the Chatat, there's the Asham, there's the Shlamim. Uh, this is more or less the main body of Parshat Tav. Now, of course, as we listen to this or read this every year, we are often struck by a sense of, well, isn't this a bit repetitive? Because after all, Parshat um, Vayikra has already taught us about all of uh, these karbanot. Uh, and, of course, uh, although it's familiar to us and well-known, it is worthwhile to go back and take a look at some of the psukim. The beginning of, of Sefer Vayikra, um, Perak Aleph, uh, Pasuk, Gimel, uh, for example. After the introduction of Adam ki akriv mikem korban, a person decides to bring a korban, the Torah tells us in Perek Aleph, Pasuk Gimel of Vayikra, im ola korbano, if his korban is an ola, min habakar, zachem tim yakirano, on and on with the, with the laws of ola. And when the Torah is finished with uh, ola, it moves on to the mincha, and when it is finished with the mincha, it moves on to the shlamim, and then to the chatat, and then to the asham. And these, of course, are the same five korbanot that are taught about later on in Parshat Tzav. Um, now, there's, of course, a slight difference in order, which we will not go into today. But the question is, of course, the problem of repetition. And this is a famous and well-known problem that Parshat Tzav seems to repeat the exact same five korbanot already taught about in Parshat Vayikra. And why the repetition, or why the need for repetition, or why the need for two parshiot Ola, and two parshiot Mincha, and two parshiot Zevach Shlamim, and two parshiot Chatat, and two parshiot Hashem. Um, this seems rather strange. Now, of course, in point of fact, on second glance, the story of the Karbanot told in Parshat Tzav is in fact radically different from the story of the Karbanot told in Parshat Vayikra, or uh, perhaps the reverse, the story of the Karbanot in Parshat Vayikra is radically different than the story of the Karbanot told in Parshat Tzav. And I think there are at least three crucial differences uh, that we can note that I think uh, together teach us something very, very important about the beginning of Sefer Vayikra and might help us talk a little bit about the fact that Sefer Vayikra, so to speak, begins before the end of, of Sefer Shemot. Um, oh, what do I have in mind? Let us return to the Psukim. Let's go back to Paragvav, Pasach Bet. And I think one interesting difference between Sav and Vayikra is the difference in audience. Paragvav, Pasach Bet says as follows. Tzav et Haron ve'et banav lemor. It begins with the command to Moshe to command Aaron and his sons. Uh, the audience here uh, is Aaron and his sons. It is the Kohanim. The command here is intended for the Kohanim. And this, of course, is an absolute contrast to the beginning of uh, Vayikra. If we take a look there in Perak Aleph, Pasek Bet, uh, the text says, Daber el b'nei Yisrael va'amata alayam. The audience here is not so much Aaron Ubanav, the Kohanim, but rather the audience is the people of Israel or the individual of Am Yisrael. And one crucial difference is in terms of audience. Okay. Another uh, very interesting difference between Sav and Vayikra. I think there's a difference in terms of time or what we might think of as as the stage uh, of the Korban process. Uh, what do I mean by this? Well, if we go back to Vayikra Perk Vav, again to the beginning of Tzav, 
Um, let us pick it up there in the middle of Pasuk Bet. Zot Torah Ola. Uh, this is the Torah of the Ola. He Ola Al Mokda Al Hamizbeach Kol Halayla. It burns upon the Mizbeach all night, Adaboker until the morning, etc. And then in Pasuk Gimel, Vlavash Hakohen Midobad Mechlesebad Yobash Al Bsaro. And the coin gets dressed in his white linen garments. Veirimet Adeshna Shatochala Eshet Ola on Mizbeach. And then he removes the ashes or the charred remains of the deshen of the Ola that is burnt all night. And then it goes on from there to talk about how he takes the deshen outside of the machana. In other words, uh, on some level, Tzav is about the aftermath uh, of the korban process. It is about the role of the Kohen in the aftermath after the korban has uh, been brought. As opposed to Vayikra, uh, where if we take a look there, how things begin in Parak Aleph, Pasig Bet, Daber al Bnei Yisrael v'Mata Leim Adam Ki Akriv Mikem Korban Lashem Min Abeima Min Abakar Min Atzon Takir with Korban Chaim, a man who brings the korban, and if it's an Ola, what does he do in Pasuk Gimel? Yakrivenu El Petach Omoed. He brings it to the Petach Omoed. Pasuk Dalad V'Samach Yedor Rosha Ola, and then he does Smichai, places his hands upon the animal. Pasuk Hei V'Shachatet Ben Abakar. So, in other words, the Yikra um, describes a far earlier stage uh, in the Korban process. It involves the process of bringing the Korban itself, the actual process, as opposed to Tzav, uh, which is not about the process of the bringing of the Korban, but it is, a, it is stage two, it is a latter stage. It is the aftermath of the bringing of the Korban. And while I've outlined this distinction in the case of the Ola, this distinction, more or less, on some level, um, holds up um, for um, all of the various carbonates. So one distinction is audience, uh, Yisrael versus Kohen, and a second distinction is stage, time or stage. In Vayikra, it's the actual process of bringing the korban, and in Tzav, it seems to be the aftermath of how to treat the korban in its aftermath. And now there's a third difference, when I think, which brings us together, which is connected to the verb that the Torah uses uh, to describe what's going on in the two parshiot, like one which has something to say to us about the nature of uh, the two parshiot, Vayikra versus Tzav, or Tzav versus Vayikra. Let us go back again to the beginning of Tzav. Parag Vav, Pasuk Bet, says as follows, Tzav et Aron ve'et Banav lemor zot Torat ha'ola. Now, beforehand, we translated this as the Torat ha'ola, as the laws uh, of the ola. Um, while we don't really do translate uh, Torah or Torah as laws, in the context of Sefer Vayikra, this is not precisely correct. Most probably, uh, Torah in, this, in the context of Vayikra has the connotation of procedure. It is a reference to a, a very technical procedure uh, that is carried out, and what is described here uh, in Sav is the technical procedure, the Torah, of how to deal with the Ola, uh, on some level, we might think of it as, as Hilchot Kadashim. It is the laws of sacred objects, how to deal with Kadashim, how to treat them, Torah Ta'ola, Torah Ta'mincha, Torah Ta'shlamim. And it is, of course, it is addressed to the Kohen, um, the one uh, who is in charge of the sanctuary of Hilchot Kadashim and must know how to deal with sacred objects. And on some level, it is not really about Korbanot per se. It is rather about the Torah Ta'korbanot, the procedure of Korbanot, that is addressed to the Kohen and is primarily considered uh, concerned with the aftermath of the bringing of the Korbanot. It is Torah Kodeshim ve Torah Korbanot, pardon me, Torah Kodeshim ve Torah Korbanot ve Torah Kohanim, the procedures for Kohanim in the classic sense. As opposed to the verb, 
Um, and I believe the story outlined in Vayikra. To go back to a point we made uh, last week, let us pick it up again in Perak Aleph Pasuk Bet. Daber al Bnei Yisrael va'amata alehem Adam ki yakriv mikem korban l'Hashem min ha-behema, min ha-bakar, min ha-tzon, takrivu et korban chem. Um, in the first three, imola korbano, min ha-bakar, zachem, tamim, yakrivenu. As I pointed out last week, in the first three verses here, the stem, kufresh bet, uh, meaning korban, or yakriv, or bringing forth, or offering, occurs seven times. And what's being described here is not so much a technical procedure of Hilchot Kadashim. What's being described here is an essential process of the bringing of the Korban. And that, in fact, is the difference between Tzav and Vayikra. While Tzav is Torat Kohanim, it is about the laws of Kadashim and is addressed to the Kohanim, um, Vayikra is not Torat Kohanim. It's Torah Yisrael, it's addressed to each and every individual of Am Yisrael. It's about the actual process of bringing the Korban, and it's about the essence of the Korban, the act of Korban itself. Uh, well, this, of course, explains to us the distinction between Vayikra and Zav. There are two aspects of the story of Korbanot that are told here. Later on in Zav, Torah Konim, and here in the beginning of Vayikra, Torah Yisrael. I'd like to go back to a point um, made last week. What exactly Torah Yisrael is all about? Well, as argued last week, the focus here is on Korban, uh, is on Lakriv, it is on the stem Kofresh Bet. It is about coming close, so to speak, in, in the classical grammatical sense. Um, or, as discussed last week, um, the one who brings the Korban here at the beginning of uh, Parashat Vikra does Smicha, uh, somehow, something of his self is transferred over to the animal. The animal represents uh, the individual, as argued by Ibn Ezra and as mentioned last week. Um, on some level, uh, the story of Karbanot, the beginning of Ekra, is about the way the individual offers his self, expresses his dedication to God, comes close to God. And that's what Tarat Yisrael is all about, and that's the distinction, or part of the distinction between Vayikra and Saf. Now, how does all of this help us, if at all, resolve um, the problem of the placement of Torah Korbanot, uh, beginning with Torah Yisrael and moving on to Torah Kohanim, Vayikra, then Sav, where it is before the placement of the end of Sefer Shem, before the end of uh, the story of the Mishkan, before the end of uh, the story of Sefer Shemot, before the completion of the Me'amilim, why does Torah Karbanot, with its beginning of Torah Yisrael, the story of Adam Kiyakir Mikem Korban, so to speak, interrupt the story of the Me'amilim? Well, I would like to suggest uh, that perhaps we can uh, offer an answer by noting a particular tension uh, that exists throughout the latter part of Shemot, um, one which uh, perhaps briefly mentioned in the past, uh, we have not really elaborated upon enough. Um, and that tension might be thought of as the tension between the unmediated versus the mediated relationship uh, with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Um, And what I mean by this is that um, a member of Am Yisrael, uh, a member of Klai Yisrael, can relate to God uh, through objects. Um, 
through a Mishkan, uh, through an Egel, um, through Kohanim, um, through Moshe, and throughout the latter part of Sefer Shemot, there is this issue that perhaps B'nai Yisrael will only connect to God through objects, through intermediaries, uh, by a distance. And this is one way uh, that an individual member of Kalei Yisrael can, so to speak, connect or relate to God. However, uh, there's another side of the dialectic that is set up uh, throughout the latter part of Sefer Shemot, uh, and that is the idea of the individual relating as an individual to God, uh, as somehow being able to engage in an unmediated relationship with God by virtue of the, of the fact that he is a member of Klai Yisrael, that he is a member of the Mamlechet Konim V'gai Kadosh, he can carry on um, his own relationship with God, or he too can approach God, and not just... Uh, through the means of a mediated relationship, through the means of some sort of object or, or some sort of spiritual aristocracy. Um, now, without a shadow of a doubt, um, the Mishkan, um, upon being set up, requires Kohanim, and it requires Elchot Kadashim, and it requires objects, and it is so easy uh, for Bnei Yisrael to once again um, arrive at the conclusion that um, the Mishkan and its priests and the entire system created is no more than another bridge, another means, uh, another kind of spiritual aristocracy that will serve God while they will remain on the outside. And without a shadow of a doubt, we might say that the entire tekes of the Niluim, of the inauguration of the Kohanim, uh, of the eight days of the Kohanim and the Karbanot and the eventual arrival of the presence of God could enforce this very exact message uh, to B'nai Yisrael, this message of distance, this message of their being on the outside, their message, this message of their only connecting through the means of the Kohanim. Well, I think that this perhaps uh, might explain why Parshat HaKarbanot is placed at the beginning of Parshat Vayikra, even before the end of the story of Sefer Shmot, and the end of the accomplishment of the Miluim. How does it begin? Adam kiakriv mikem korban l'ashem korban The whole purpose, or perhaps another side of the purpose of the Mishkan, is, allow, is to allow for the approach of the individual uh, through his korban, or through his representation of his self, or through his dedication to God. This is, to some extent, what the Mishkan is really supposed to be about. And therefore, the Torah, so to speak, interrupts uh, the story of the dedication of the Mishkan. It interrupts the story of the Mishkan and the end of Sefer Shemot with Parshat Kabanot, that which begins with Torah Yisrael as a powerful reminder that every individual member of Klai Yisrael is a member of Mamlachat Kohanim V'gai Kadosh. I think perhaps this is the meaning of the placement of, of Parshat Vayikra and uh, Parshat Kabanot and its beginning of Torah Yisrael, where it is placed right uh, at the beginning here, in the middle of the story of Sefer Shmot.